All right, you're back in the DFSR with an NBA podcast for Friday, November 8th on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is James Davis, and we are going to be breaking down game by game the FanDuel and DraftKings slate for this Friday. It's a big one, a uh, ton of games here, a bunch of superstars going, some prices that we're going to kind of need to wade through in terms of value, but... I guess we're lucky that he's not in the sleep, but I just want to talk to you about this now because I just we're not going to podcast till next week and this the news cycle will be over. Did you mm-hmm. see the the Reddit study that the James, for James Harden that came out? Um, this Reddit user no. did a correlation study. A so study on cor- James Harden. Okay. He did a correlation between James Harden's play on the road and how good the strip clubs in that city um, are rated. What? And Why? There's like Why a statistical. The guy. The guy definitely. The guy definitely. Well, because like there's long been talk that he's just like a huge partier and is out of shape and like um, gotcha. like just like okay. that he's got like that he's got the the nightlife nightlife bug in him, um, and this guy like definitely knew what he was talking about. Like oh, shoot, I don't have the name in front of me, but there was clearly a statistical significance between if the strip clubs are better in the city, <laughs> Harden plays worse. Uh, thoughts real quick That's about whether good. we need to put that into our model or not. Yeah, well, I was I, I was going to ask like him, did he show his work? Can we import that data into our model and? you know, run a correlation against not just Harden, but perhaps the performance of the entire league. I'm, I'm intrigued here. Yeah, I suppose if you're going to do it for him, you got to do it for everybody. Uh, NBA players, they, like, they seem to like the nightlife, so maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just in everything. Maybe it's unfair that we, it's only on Harden, that they only did it for Harden and only isolated it for his performance and not everyone else. All right, we're going to roll through the slate. A uh, bunch of stuff to get into here, some injury news and updates that we're going to have to uh, try to parse out. As always, Fridays are huge slates. Um, news comes fast and furious. You can always sign up for our projection system at dfsr.com slash deals. We're covering all this stuff in real time in our live chat and through our projections. So um, uh, if we, you know, this, this is kind of a primer. The real stuff comes when you go and sign up for that seven-day free trial. So dfsr.com slash deals will get you started. First game, Detroit is going to go in and play the Pacers. Uh, right now, Detroit has ruled out just about everybody uh, nice. from their – well just, well, just about everybody that they've had out for a while. Like, Blake is still out. Derrick Rose is out. Tim Frazier's out. Uh, we talked about Bruce Brown, like, kind of bumping his projection for last game. Doesn't totally get there on the projection. Uh, Drummond's still, you know, flirting with 2020 averages on the season. And then uh, Indiana has Lamb is going to – Jeremy Lamb has already been ruled out. Goga has been ruled out. And Miles Turner is doubtful right now. What are your thoughts on this game just in terms of – sort of where we see, I mean, are we still on playing Drummond here? Um, uh, you know, Sabonis came back and played a bunch of minutes to start. Brogdon has been a pretty popular cash game play in the past. Where are your thoughts here on Detroit, Indiana? Yeah, okay, so there's a lot of thoughts. I'll start with Indiana because Aaron Holiday wound up getting the start for Lamb and was super chalk. I mean, well, not, not that high, actually. I think it was like north of 50%, and then he was essentially free on DraftKings. It was a pretty terrifying game. If you had him, he was not the point guard, in spite of the fact that he's listed as a point guard here. Uh, He was just shooting catch-and-shoot threes and barely scraped in, even at a minimum price, thanks to getting hot in the third quarter. So, uh, yeah, the minutes were there. Just know that you're basically just hoping that he'll shoot threes uh, because that was all he did. So even at 4,100 on such a big slate, I'll probably be trying to find other punts that are a little bit more attractive. I still do think Bruce Brown is probably undervalued. I mean, he definitely didn't get there in the game against the Knicks. That was also kind of a weird game. Uh, there were definitely blowout things going on there uh, where the starters were not only losing a couple minutes, but also just playing kind of weird rotations and weirdly when they were out there. So I think Brown, you know, you still love to see the six assists. So if he's starting the game with six or seven assists, I still do think he can pay 
you know, only a nominally higher price tag. And he was like 75% owned. Uh, granted, it was a four-game slate, but still super highly owned. And I, and I think he can still get there. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that's pretty much where it starts and stops for me. Another interesting guy, well, two other interesting guys that were chalk options uh, were Kennard and Markeith Morris. Uh, Kennard's been rock solid on these prices, even as they continue to rise. And Morris has been more in the hit or miss variety, but definitely hit against the Knicks. Uh, dropping 37 fantasy points. So I actually think there's a number of guys that can sort of be on your radar here as more minutes get freed up. Yeah, this I didn't think we'd have uh, a bunch of interesting names here from this game. Uh, if you just kind of looked at it on paper, uh, and we didn't even talk too much about Drummond, I guess, but um, I guess we'll maybe have a Drummond-Cat challenge play again like we had last time. Uh, I'm not looking forward to that <laughs> personally, I guess, like trying to decide between these two. But uh, that will maybe be where we end up landing. Let's roll through these games. we got a bunch of them. Cleveland goes in and plays Washington. Uh, no real news and notes from this one, except that Isaac Bonga is not going to start next game, though Scotty Brooks has not mentioned who is going to start. I'm not sure it totally matters here for Washington. At this point, you can really only trust Bradley Beal's minutes. Everyone else's minutes are all over the place. I guess Thomas Bryant's minutes to some degree are pretty safe. Um, I was going to say too, Troy Brown has been creeping up in minutes recently too, and he's kind of a natural fill-in for Bonga. Uh, He played 30 minutes against Detroit the other day and scored 40 fantasy points. So uh, there's at least a little bit of pedigree there. He's 4,000 on FanDuel. If he were to get the start, I think he's playable, but you don't want to be in the position of speculating if it's not me. Yeah, like Isaiah Thomas's minutes didn't really round out, even though he continued to start. So I just, I, I mean, you know, there's our Davis Bertans is kind of still around there. I don't know. We'll have to just wait. Let's just wait and see who they end up starting and then kind of make a decision based on that. Any one of these guys that starts will almost definitely be uh, rock bottom pricing. So I think you'll probably be able to scrape out some value on who it is. But um, short of speculation, I'm not really sure what else we do there. I do like Beal here. Beal's, Beal, even in some blowouts, played 40 minutes. Um, he's still the guy. The Thomas thing cuts into some of his usage, you would think, but the minutes for him are just about as safe as they get. Thoughts here on Cle- the Cleveland side? They've actually been pretty consistent with their starters, all things considered. Like Tristan Thompson's playing a bunch of minutes. Love is actually getting there. Um, even Colin Sexton is... Yeah, that's actually been a problem. I mean, really, in terms of a average fantasy value per game, only Tristan Thompson has been around that 5X mark. And for that reason, I think Tristan Thompson's in consideration. The big issue is with a slate this size, we're almost guaranteed to get punts. And two of the best pay-up options are at center today. Uh, You mentioned Drummond at a decreased price. His price came down 700, moving from the New York matchup into the Indiana matchup. And then you get Towns going up against the G League Warriors, who haven't helped him. Willie Cauley-Stein and a bunch of question marks. Like That could really go in Towns' favor as well. So, yeah, I think there's. it's just not a night to probably mid-range at the center position and Thompson's the only playable calf to me so I, I don't see myself playing a lot of them yeah like I said I think this game does have a big over-under at 228 that's uh there's we're still waiting on some over-unders for some of these games but that is probably going to end up being one of the highest ones so I think you're going to see some ownership on this game maybe a little bit more on the Washington side uh and like use it like the Cleveland stuff they just have they've been consistent enough that uh the prices aren't exactly values at this point Memphis is going to play Orlando uh, right when I just say that we should dump Vucevic's, uh, Vucevic's uh, um, projection, he kind of comes out and is decent again with 20 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, this is not probably the matchup. This game had to go, even, even with Memphis playing slower, I'm not sure we need to go crazy about this matchup. Opens at 208 uh, with Orlando six and a half favorites. Fultz isn't playing money minutes. I don't know, the, the Grizzlies are all over the place in terms of minutes. Like, I just don't really know. I don't even know what you're getting away with, even on a GPP perspective from this game. Does that make sense to you? It does. I mean, Memphis, I think you've said a slower pace. I think you meant to see a faster pace. They're playing a top five pace this season. 
and they've actually been a team that you can target. I mean, Towns was absolutely shredding them uh, before the third quarter happened. <laughs> Basically, the game script got super weird super fast. I think there's upside potential for Vooch here, um, but yeah, the price is creeping up. I don't see myself wanting to pay a premium on this or anything, and as for the rest of the Memphis guys, um, Dylan Brooks is another name that's cropped up. He was, I think, in our second overall lineup uh, in our hedge lineup last night or two nights ago now, and um, he was solid. You know, back-to-back games, he's paid 7x on this price and played 30 to 31 minutes, so I think Brooks uh, should be under radar as well. Yeah, um, uh, sorry if I said pace. I maybe I just meant like overall pace of the game is slow, just in terms of the total. Uh, I'm aware that Memphis isn't doing that ground and pound uh, stuff anymore. We mentioned that yeah. last, last podcast as well. Sacramento goes in and plays Atlanta. Uh, this game is a two nineteen over with Sacramento as a one and a half point favorite. I'm wondering your thoughts. Bijalika started last game, was absolutely horrible, and then got benched. And it, and mm. uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich came in and he played a majority of the minutes. Do you think we could be seeing a possibility of them just switching up the starters again. I mean, they already went homes over Deadman once. They they just don't seem to have a clue what's going on here. Uh, now Bijalika is looks like he's going to get benched. If uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich moved back into, moved into the starting lineup here, would it do anything for you uh, in terms of his overall value or just running with this? I feel like he's a guy we played when like guys like healed are out, you know, like when there's like been, been someone specifically out of the game, specifically with usage stuff. But with his just like maybe possibly swapping into the starting lineup with moving Barnes to the four be enough to consider him for DFS? I wouldn't rule it out, you know, this early in the slate as we're discussing the games. I can't say I'd be pumped to build around Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bogdanovic, whatever you pronounce these guys' names, uh, just like from the word go. I will say that if he's starting, he's at least tempting. I mean, you know, one of the things we talk about in terms of playing guys that are moving into the starting lineup is, you know, if a guy is already sort of creeping around our system, playing those 24 to 25 minutes a game, and now gets named the starter, and he was like already kind of a value, it's really hard for him to be horrible. And I think that would be the case with Bogdanovich. I think that there isn't a ton of upside here. Like I think the, just if you look at what he does, he basically brings points to the table and almost nothing else and kind of needs to run hot on steals to go any further than that. So yeah, I can't say I'd be overjoyed at running him out there, but if we wind up in the position where we need a $5,000 small forward and he's starting, then sure, I guess I could see him. I'm pretty sure I looked this up, but I think that that start that lineup of those four guys plus Bogdan is like one of the best net rating lineups in the league this year. It's just they haven't played it enough. Um, in turn, because I was mm. looking up stuff for the Nets lineups, uh, and I do think that lineup is actually very good with Holmes there and then Barnes up to the four. But um, they just they they haven't been able to identify that's a good lineup or not. So uh, I, I think it's an interesting play. I want to get. F- rock solid word on who the starter is before we're able to do that yeah on the atlanta side they're obviously without john collins jabari parker been playing some minutes i think trey young's minutes are set to tick back up a little bit here they're still bringing herder off the bench uh, in favor of uh like the reddish and hunter piece but um any thoughts mm-hmm. here on what should be like a pretty thin spread it's a thin spread high uh scoring projected game here any thoughts here on the hawks yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the Hawks. You know, there's just too many minutes getting chewed up by these guys that do next to nothing offensively, like Hunter and Reddish. And after them, like Young is just efficiently priced. I mean, you could argue just overpriced. He's averaged 4x on this price so far this season. Parker, you know, it's nice to dream on him since he's moving into presu- presumably a bigger role. But last two games, averaging 30 minutes and 31 fantasy points, that's just not getting it done on 7,000. I have a very hard time believing any of these guys will make the cut in our cash games tonight. 
Yeah, I tend to agree on that one just because, look, it was just, if we're just going to get another year. It seemed like it was going to start a little differently with Trey and these guys to start the year, but I don't know if the writing is on the wall or they're just going to start worrying about injuries or they just don't really know what they have with the young guys. I think we could still – I think we could see them just start to kind of taper off the minutes on the guys that matter and kind of do a wait-for-next-year thing. Uh, not not in stone that that's going to happen here, but um, I think there's Well, listen, probably... it's, no, it's no discredit to the Hawks either. The, the, the team itself could be fine, and it could not be interesting DFS plays. Like, Young is something like the 11th most expensive player on the slate or something like that. That just means that you have to be excellent. You have to be the best of the best. Like, he's more expensive than several guys that are outscoring him per game. I mean, Butler, Beal, and Sabonis are the three guys beneath him in price. All three have outscored him. Uh, you know, Curry is beneath him. You could argue Curry has that greater upside. Ingram, Brogdon, uh, Blake, and then Lowry. And all those guys have outscored him this year, and they're all cheaper than he is. So it's just hard to find a slot, you know, in essentially a league average matchup, and that's been your case so far. Yeah, uh, no, that's a good point. I don't, I'm not trying to take a dig at the team, I guess. I guess more, I'm speaking strictly uh, from a DFS perspective. The aforementioned Golden State Warriors go in and play Minnesota. Minnesota opens as a 12-point home favorite here. They are, Golden State, still without Draymond Green, but going to have D'Angelo Russell back here. For a while, for a while, two games, Golden State was seeing some nice usage, nice ownership uh, in terms of DFS stuff. The prices all came up, but now they get D'Angelo Russell back into the mix. I, I basically set him at like 28 minutes and then ticked everyone's usage back down a little bit. Is that like a fair, do you think that's a fair assessment on Golden State? I, there's no way he's going to come out and play like 35 minutes, right? Um, with the way Golden State's going here, you think Russell doesn't stop there, get into the tank early and often plans. Would you, does that feel like a fair assessment from a projection standpoint? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Incidentally, uh, the prices on these Golden State guys have actually come down uh, since their last game, with the exception of Alec Burks. I don't know if you saw his line coming off the yeah, bench last huge. game, but he, yeah. he rolled up and just dropped 46 fantasy points on Houston, <laughs> kind of kept Golden State in the game. Uh, that was pretty comical. But yeah, I, I'm certainly not going to play Russell rolling out of bed at an $8,700 price tag, essentially higher uh, than he was last season, and not a price he was producing on uh, so far this season either. I think... There's a good case to be made for grabbing a bunch of Timberwolves here in a revenge game against D'Angelo Russell. What do you there think you about go. that? Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> just that just whole team. I can't stand this guy for going to the Warriors instead. So, But yeah, no, I, I don't think there's, there's a whole lot to love on that Golden State side. Because at the very least, even if he plays 28 minutes and puts up 18 shots, that's going to be enough to ding down some already uh, rather unexciting plays. So yeah, I love Carl Anthony Towns in this game. Uh, a bunch of people played Covington the other night. Power forward still thin. So I guess that's a consideration uh, of interesting note. And I think Teague is probably going to play in this one because yeah. he missed the last game with the NBA flu there. Um, but if he doesn't, just a good thing to a good tool to keep in your toolkit in the future is when Teague sat, Jarrett Culver played great uh, coming off the bench as a point guard, played 29 minutes, put up 31 and a half fantasy points and looked totally capable of running the offense. He had seven assists. I think he assisted the first three buckets of the game. So um, definitely his price hasn't moved at all either. So I don't think you get him here, but I think Teague will, you know, Teague will sit eventually again. And uh, I'm ready to bust Culver out when that happens. How worried, sorry if you mentioned this, I was basically looking at the Russell projection real quick. Uh, how worried are we with Towns' projection if we think the game turns into a blowout? Like if we're looking at the Towns, because Towns versus Drummond, they're basically the same price, both slates. They've both been awesome to start the year for slightly different reasons. Uh, a little more scoring for Towns, more rebounding for Drummond. The defensive stuff is there for both. Um, would the blowout concern worry you at all, or is like the matchup so great that like we can probably just go full projection on a guy like Towns, and then we are kind of flipping a coin between these two guys? I think you can go full projection. I don't, 
know that you want to be too worried about the Minnesota blowout here. I mean, yeah, 12 points is significant. There are a number of games on this slate that have wider spreads, and I don't know that you can avoid them all. And so if you aren't, um, then I think you're going to just be in that position where you're going to want the good plays. You know, we'll talk about the Mavs in a little bit, but they're going up against the Knicks. They've got some excellent DFS options tonight. Uh, you got the Lakers going up against the Heat. There's going to be some DFS plays in that game too. So I don't think I'm going to be running away from these blowouts necessarily. I think if I was just in the coin flip tiebreaker sort of mindset, I think grabbing Drummond against the Pacers can't be terrible. I mean, they have Sabonis now, uh, but they won't have Turner. And, you know, he did grab 18 boards against them when they played earlier this season. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's six in one hand, a half dozen in the other, as you always like to say. So, um, yeah. What's Drummond Towns. Drummond's a little cheaper. I suspect Drummond probably gets us there for that reason. All right, let's talk real quick about Vivid Seats. If you're in the market for tickets these days, you know that can be an absolute and total hassle trying to figure out you know, where you're sitting, if there's anything even available, what the court or the stadium looks like from the seat you're going to purchase. Not with Vivid Seats app. You download the app, use the promo code OVERTIME. The first thing that's going to happen is they're going to give you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase. Uh, you've got to use that promo code to get that to happen. They're also going to get you enrolled in their rewards program. That's going to earn you points for each time you use the app. And you're just not going to find better deals than you find on Vivid Seats. So download the app, use the promo code OVERTIME, get that money back on the first purchase, get enrolled in the rewards program, and you're all good to go. No better seating app out there. All right, Toronto yeah. uh, versus New Orleans. This game is a huge total, 234 with Toronto. Thin spread, two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto have been super concentrated around the starters' minutes, uh, and they basically play in an eight-man eight rotation, uh, and that's it. These guys are playing a ton. Lowry's playing a ton. Van Vliet, really just down to a man. OG's seen the minutes. T- he's been awesome this year. He was one of the guys that I really, from like a season-long fantasy perspective, was really high on, like OG stepping into this Kawhi uh, Leonard role. Did you pick him up in your um, season-long expert league? Like no, he went one. He was one round before me because I was I was way I was like oh. I was fifty p I was fifty picks ahead of him um, in terms of just like average draft position on OG and he went uh, I forget to oh, I was yeah. so annoyed he was like one of the guys him and Siaka were guys I was really overweight on uh, in terms of just wanting to just really really like him anyway got Siaka didn't get uh, didn't get OG either way uh, this is I feel like this is a tremendous spot but also because the the minutes have been so set here for Toronto to start the season we talked about this last podcast as well. We're just not getting a ton of value, even though New Orleans plays the third worst efficiency and basically the fast, fastest pace in the league this year. This is, this is like Phoenix Suns territory from two or three seasons ago when you could just mm. t- target guys against them every single night. That is the New Orleans Pelicans this year. Incidentally, Golden State not too far off from them either. But um, Also Houston, Houston. So, faster yeah, pace say, and worse defense. How about that? Yeah, there's a, these, there's a couple of these squads that are just uh, – those other ones are – at least Houston's not going – Thoughts on Toronto maybe about just paying fair prices for these guys on this slate and saying this is just such a great matchup compared to what we're getting through the rest of the landscape. I can see it. Um, I certainly love OG. I think he's just legitimately underpriced relative to the new opportunity. Uh, his true rotation is 36 to 38 minutes. 6,000 is going to wind up being too cheap for him when it's all said and done. Uh, he puts up great defensive stats, which really raises his floor significantly. And, you know, if he's the guy opposing defenses are ignoring, he's proven that he can put it together. I mean, he's even putting assists together now, too. So it looks like he's just maturing as a player. Uh, The Raptors have a great track record of developing talent, probably an underrated track record of that, right? I mean, much was made of Kawhi going in there, the mercenary, whatever. How many of these guys just came up that were either, you know, afterthoughts like Ibaka or, you know, non-prospects like Siakam and Ananubi? Yeah, hats off to the Raptors. 
uh, Fred VanVleet, another one, right? <laughs> so they've done an excellent yeah. job there. And yes, I, I could see playing basically all of these guys, I think. I think the big names, uh, the starters that you all know about besides OG, they're basically fairly priced. You're not getting away with murder there. But I think if you can grab them at fair prices and you're, you know, they're your fill-in guys on like a Stars and Scrubs sort of lineup where you go cheap with punts and expensive with guys like Towns, et cetera, uh, then I think you're pretty happy. Uh, New Orleans, it looks like Lonzo Ball is going to be back and playing. Derek Favors is not on the injury report. He played like no minutes and didn't start last game. So I, th- this team is another one that's been all over the place. Like Melly starts and then gets, gets a DMPCD. They've been outside of Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is really the only guy that I feel moderately safe with. But even him, he's such a high usage guy that I'm worried if that were to dip down. And he gets a terrible matchup against guys like Siakam and Oji here, uh, just in, in terms mm-hmm. of just the exact guys that can sort of defend his length. So I think that uh, there's going to be other spots to grab Brandon Ingram here. I, or excuse me, other spots to grab Ingram. I do not think this is the one uh, just because I, I think Toronto is specifically just a very bad matchup. And like the rest of this team, you just can't. You just can't trust what they're doing with the rotations. They're kind of they're, they're experimenting to a point where it, it's just too it's too difficult to figure out on a game to game basis. New York goes in and plays the Knicks. Uh, and, and excuse me, they don't play the Knicks because they are the Knicks. New York goes in and plays Dallas. Um, revenge game all around here. Tim Hardaway revenge game. Is there anyone else that might have a revenge game here? I, can, I only got Hardaway. everyone's just having revenge on each other. Dennis uh, Smith Jr. But he's Dennis. Out. Uh, he, he's uh, he's gonna no. He's at, he traveled with the team. He might play. Not Chris Stapps, obviously. Okay. I don't know if Chris Stapps is motivated here to bury these dudes. Who knows? Um, but they are eleven point. Dallas is eleven point home favorites against the Knicks. Uh, injury news notes, yeah. like I said, Dennis Smith is going to be back with the team, though it's unclear if he's going to play. Mitchell Robinson has already been ruled out. I suspect that means we get a Bobby Portis move into the starting lineup. Uh, not sure how crazy I want to go with that one. Uh, Knicks are another one of these disaster teams. You just can't figure out outside of R.J. Barrett and maybe Marcus Morris uh, what is going on with their minutes. Dallas, not too dissimilar for different reasons, though. Luca is a god. And after that, like Chris Dabbs plays 33 to 34 minutes. And then you're kind of just guessing at what they're going to do with the rotations, right? Like some guys, they just they completely play matchup. Like the Rick Rick Carlisle is just in the in the lab working on these matchups. And by the way, he's in the lab, <laughs> not like these other bad teams are. Um, he's like actually trying trying to figure it out. But then you get Luca. I mean, where do we stand with Luca as opposed to, uh, compared to some of these other huge names? I kind of throw out a lot of ideas here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think you pretty much pointed out what I feel about Dallas, which is that it's Luca and then a bunch of dudes. And even Luca, like, you know, I think he could round into an $11,000 player, but it's not an absolutely sure thing. I think you can totally play him. I, I feel similarly about him as I do the Toronto guys, where you're not really getting any new opportunity or, you know, a kind of exciting. It's not like a super exciting matchup just because of the potential for blowout risk but still totally a playable point guard option. I'm not going anywhere near Chris Stapps on these prices, uh, given that he's going to play low 30s minutes a game. Uh, the production just flat out hasn't been there. So uh, I'm sure he could put up absolutely huge games just because of the matchup-based stuff, like you said. But after, outside of Luka, it's just it's actually kind of what good teams ought to do, which is they mix and match parts. Yep. Uh, they play guys when they're in good spots. And that's all well and good for real basketball, but it does not excite me for DFS at all. No, it's too hard. It's too hard to figure out. Like JJ Bray starts the second half over Curry. Like they just do, they yeah. go all over the place with this stuff in a way that outside of Luca, I just don't think you can predict. Uh, I, we've been on the Bobby Porter's train in terms of getting him started. That's come and gone. The Knicks are not really in the wrong kind of version of this. The Knicks just are very difficult to figure out who what their rotations are uh, in the same way. And not, I don't want to be kind of, I don't, in a, in a possible blowout. In a Knicks team that they don't know if they're coming or going, I don't think I'm going to be too high on any of these guys. You don't want Frank Natilikina, who's been playing 
37 minute rotations when he starts assuming the game is in a block. Yeah, but then one game Pretty he played cute. like 22. Like I, like so he got like I, there was one game that it kind of moved in there that he didn't play any minutes. I like I the played 14 the, minutes. That's what 14 that, minutes. That's that, it. You d- you didn't like that? No, like <laughs> this is Fisdale. Fisdale's clueless, dude. Like he does not know what he's doing. I I'm, I thought he was a good coach. Yeah. I am really feeling that that's not the case. I, these the, Are you concerned about the RJ Barrett thing too? A lot of people are wringing their hands about um Barrett's minutes. Are you oh, like concerned that that's the not the right thing, thing to do to a nineteen-year-old? Oh, I don't know. I, there's, I've read a bunch of different stuff going both directions on this one. I just don't think it. It probably, it's probably just so player specific. Like some dudes, like LeBron, can just go and literally run up the court for you know years on end and basically never get hurt. And then there's guys that just get hurt all the time. Like I just don't. It's I, at this. Point, it's got to be just so player specific. I don't think you can make a grand sweeping judgment sure. for each guy. In general, I would say it's probably not a great idea to, on a bad team to play a guy 40 minutes. I don't know what you're getting at that point. Like, I don't know what mm. – you're not developing him anymore, I don't think. So I think from that standpoint, it's kind of stupid. But it's just more fun health, to watch a good player than a bunch of bad players. That's probably the motivation. That could, that could be it. That could be it. The Knicks – I'm still in the camp that the Knicks don't, shouldn't be this bad. They just don't seem to have mm. any kind of clue. But I, maybe I'm just – that's a hill that I'm probably starting to die on all by myself. Guess we'll see. All right, Mil- <laughs> yeah. Mil- well, I don't, I don't think we'll guess we'll see. I think we have seen. Uh, like, there, I think we just have seen it. I'm wrong. So I'm going to take the L. But I – I feel like I you shouldn't. You don't like the league worst point differential on the Knicks so far, in spite I guess of getting my po- like my, my point is, rookie of the year level production from Archie Barrett. <laughs> my point is, I, I shouldn't be taking the L this bad. I don't think. Like, I don't think like I, they should not be this bad. I think it's a combination of I probably overrated some of their pieces and underrated just how bad the coaching and the rotations were going to be that no one can actually figure out who's playing on a night-to-night basis. That was that sure. was something I did not see see coming. Milwaukee goes and plays Only Utah. five games out of the playoffs, too. So The East is terrible. It's only not, five, sorry, only, only two and a half games out of the playoffs for the Knicks. So I'm I will say, well, this is my last point about the Knicks, my one big piece, I wrote a preseason article about it, my one big piece was the fact that in terms of like overall wins, I was like, oh, they're just going to play Mitchell Robinson so much more. He was like arguably their best player last year from a win share perspective. He's one of the best defensive players in the league in terms of the, if you trust any defensive metrics. And so that was like a big part of why I was really bullish on him was that I was like, oh, we're going to get like 25 minutes a game consistently out of Mitchell Robinson. Nope. Between the injuries and just like not wanting to start him, it's been a double disaster from that point. So anyway, don't think it would translate too much, too many more wins, but no, it's just, I'm, I'm annoying. I'm annoyed because I thought that was a big thing that they were going to do. All right, before we finish this off, let's talk about mybookie.ag. When, when I was writing up the Knicks uh, before the season, I was using mybookie to inform me on their win total, which I thought was going to be the over, and that is not looking like it's going to be the case. But still plenty of action to get in on mybookie, and they have an offer that you really can't pass up here. If you use the promo code OVERTIME, they're going to match your deposit up to half so up and to $1,000. So if you deposit $1,000, they're going to give you a matching deposit bonus of 500 and you can do the math all the way down. Uh, go find a better deal than that from an online booking site. I don't think you're going to. Every sport's covered. You know, we get our basketball and football action specifically in over on my bookie. Love these guys. Been using them for years. Was an easy sponsor to have around because I already had an account set up. I was not able to take advantage of the overtime offer here just because I wasn't a new customer, but you can be. Use my bookie, promo code overtime. You play, you win, you get paid. Milwaukee goes in and plays Utah. Milwaukee coming off the win against the Kawhi-less Clippers. Giannis put up an absolute monster. This game has a close spread. Again, like Milwaukee's another one of these teams, like outside of Giannis, I, I just don't know what you're getting. And Utah has shown the ability to sort of spread the love around too. They're playing, playing pretty tight rotations at this point. Uh, from a DFS perspective, anything to like about this game? 
I mean, potentially not really. <laughs> you know, Utah is doing back to their old ones of just playing guys consistent minutes and very few guys truly lighting the world on fire. Um, you know, you see some guys that are sort of averaging paying their price, you know, Donovan Mitchell, uh, even Bojan Bogdanovic, who, you know, we've run out there in cash from time to time. Uh, Rosa O'Neill's been getting the starts and the minutes have been there, but the production's sort of been lacking. Rudy Gobert seems like he's perennially 8,300 scoring 30 fantasy points a game. So I can't say on the Utah side, I'm overly pumped. Uh, Giannis is definitely a guy that's a, a tough fade on a night-to-night basis. In the last two games that he played his full run of minutes, he's scored 78 and 80 fantasy points, which is a lot, by the way, if you're if you're just new to this whole DFS NBA thing. Those are a lot of fantasy points. And when he gets his full run of minutes, he's just snatching up 14 to 16 rebounds a game too. So we could be seeing him making another leap right now, in which case you could see the price come up. I don't what's out what's outrageous, 10, 10% more. I don't think that's crazy. So I think you have to sort of consider him as a playable option in any game where he's not going up against a team that has one of the five guys in the league that can sort of defend him. Right. Utah, by the way, doesn't qualify in that regard between uh, Bojan and Royce O'Neal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be playable on any given night, uh, probably the premier spend-up option outside of the very worst matchups. You're not excited about the Utah pace, as always. Like, they're a bottom-three pace team once again. So that could and, – and we've talked about this, too, with these huge volume guys – the pace up, pace down hurts them the most because they just use so many of their team's possessions, both rebounding the ball, scoring the ball, et cetera, that, you know, maybe Giannis is just on the outside looking in here, but just want to tip my cap to him because it wasn't this way in the first few games, but I do think there's something different now and uh, wouldn't be surprised to see his price climb in short order. Yeah, no, I think I agree with just about every point you made there. Um, we're just getting, I do feel like we're getting into a point where it would, we just kind of need, it's funny about the way the NBA is working. I feel like we're getting to a point with some of these teams. We just need punts every single night because so many teams are either a all over the place um, with their minutes, and sometimes in good ways or bad ways. Like Milwaukee qualifies as this, or um, they're all over the place, or, the, or excuse me, or they're totally steady that we don't we're not getting value on the, on the players, and so it becomes like this nightly sort of let's just hope someone's out. Sort of does that make sense? Like hope someone's out for one of these yep. teams so we can grab. I guess it's sort of always been like that. It feels especially like that to start this season. We're coming off a Thursday slate that didn't really have any of that. So um, maybe I'm feeling that fresh in my mind. Um, but Milwaukee, quali- Milwaukee and Utah qualify for different reasons. Around they, they're the, both examples of sort of what I've been talking about. Philly goes in and plays mm-hmm. Denver. Denver five and a half point uh, opening favorites at home. The big news for Philly is they're going to be without Ben Simmons for at least the next three games. He had a uh, shoulder strain on the joint. He left the game early. Furkan started the second half for him, but Nato played thirty minutes in this game, and so I wrote. I've already I wrote up Nato for the picks, and even if he didn't start, I think I'd be fine playing with him playing him because. I'm not going to play with him like we're friends that are just like having a play date uh, as kids. I'm going to play. I'm going to play him at fantasy. Play trains. <laughs> Can Raul come over and play? <laughs> Ask his mom. Text his mom. Um, no. So I think, what are your thoughts here on NATO? Like, what if we just got that, like Richardson was essentially going to be the de facto starting point guard and NATO was going to come off the bench. Would you be comfortable playing NATO in cash? He's coming so cheap, 3,400 and 3,700 respectively on each site. Uh, and then what are your thoughts just on Philly in general without Simmons, who does eat up a lot of stats are going to need to be redistributed, even though it's not going to be perfect because it's a Denver team that's pretty good at defense. Yeah, I kind of hate Nato, uh, just to be totally honest with you. I mean, he's a guy that has got, been in roles like this before, like when he was on the Jazz, uh, moving to the starting lineup and just completely disappear on you. There were some things you liked in that Utah game, revenge game, by the way, where 
he had some assists, which you like to see. So, you know, he was distributing a little bit. Uh, he scored, which is not always easy for him, as evidenced by the previous games where he scored two points in 12 minutes and so on. Um, but I was concerned by two things. The first was the turnovers, four turnovers in 30 minutes when you're not necessarily the primary ball handler is a lot. And that's a lot for a team like Philly to want to contend with. And then the other thing was that his overall line was really buoyed by those three steals, which, you know, I, I just don't know if that's what you can count on three steals per 30 minutes from him. So yes, he absolutely got there in those 30 minutes. I think if Furkan were named the starter, I don't think I would want to run Nato out there, but I could see doing it if he starts. Uh, of course, the problem for a seven o'clock lineup lock is we just might not know that in time. And if not, I don't think I would personally want to be in the campus speculating. Um, I don't think it's terrible or anything, but the, the situations like these are what make me wish we had the old uh, drop your lowest score thing. Because if we had that, I would happily play NATO. I just think there's too high of a likelihood that he just craps out completely for me to want to just roll him out there before we hear any news. Like I said, I think I'm comfortable taking Josh Richardson's minutes up pretty high here. I think he does become something of a placeholder. Yeah, he's cheap, too. Um, in terms of just like, and that, this might be the situation that we're looking, maybe it's just him that, he, I know it's not like the same thing because he's not a punt. Yeah, maybe. I really like that, actually. He's, he's already been fine on this price. Awesome last game when Simmons went down, uh, you know, contributed across the board, and really the usage, the shots, the points came up pretty dramatically. He's got a track record of being able to run the offense for little stretches of time for Miami. So, yeah, I, I really like that play, actually. Yeah, maybe that's just maybe that should take him like thirty-eight minutes and with some more with some more like the bump up in the sure. assist and maybe we should call it a day. All right, uh, final two games going here. Uh, yes, final two games. Brooklyn uh, faces Portland. This game has another one with a huge total. Portland's on the back-to-back right now. They're but they're three-point home favorites against a Brooklyn team that travels across the country. Though they've had most of the week off. DeAndre Jordan is questionable. I wrote up Jared Allen uh, in a good spot here. Even if DeAndre were to even were DeAndre were to play, um, I think they seem they're getting a little bit more set with Jared Allen. It's just going to be the center. Uh, and it's a good spot here against a mostly small uh, Miami team. I know they have a white side, uh, but they're not willing to play him a ton of minutes. And then Kyrie, I think Kyrie's been everything you could have wanted to ask for more. He basically has career highs in every single category from a fantasy perspective to start the year, uh, right across the board, assists, rebounds, and, of course, the scoring. Thoughts on stacking some of these Brooklyn guys here in a Portland game that looks like it's going to be a pretty high pace and Portland coming on the back-to-back? Yeah, I think there's a lot you can target here. Um, you know, I, I just continue to believe that C.J. McCollum is too cheap. I think I've written him up like 50 times in the last two years, and he hasn't always worked out. It didn't work out in that Golden State game uh, when I wrote him up for that one, but I, I just think he's a $7,000 player when things go right, and I can't remember all the stats from when I wrote him up, but early season sample sizes can wreak havoc on a price in the same way that midseason sample size stuff doesn't, so I still think he's playable, again, on a big slate. You know, I kind of honestly hope he's on the outside looking in just because I don't want to hear the questions in our members-only chat that you can check out by going to dfsr.com slash deals. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think he's there. I think, like you said, high high pace, both Lillard and Kyrie uh, just doing a great job on their respective prices so far this year. So I think you can look around throughout these two teams and see guys you'd be pretty excited about playing even on a big slate. Yeah, um, I think I generally agree with pretty much everything there. I um, I, I like this. I'm, I'm a little more tuned into the Brooklyn team. Obviously, I've been following them more closely this season, but I think there's still tremendous values on this slate. Final game, Miami go in and play the Lakers. Lakers coming off that big comeback from behind, come from behind victory 
over the Bulls the other day. Uh, Avery Bradley's still questionable. Again, this is another one of these teams where outside of LeBron, and I'm not even sure about AD, but uh, LeBron feels lock, rock solid at this point. Like he's basically become like triple-double MVP level LeBron or better <laughs> to start the season. Yeah. Not sure I can say the complete same about AD in terms of just what he's getting, giving them in a, from a fantasy perspective as they continue to not play him at center. That just seems to be really affecting uh, specifically the rebounds. Um, they're just not, I could be wrong about this, but the fact that they're getting so many minutes out of JaVale and Dwight at this point, and AD does yeah. not want to play at Dwight's five. been good, by the way. Maybe not from a DFS perspective, but Dwight has looked frisky out there. He's thin. He's I think like the around, effect. I, I'm pretty, he he, I'm, I'm he might lead the league in effective field goal percentage this year. Like he's barely missed. I, it's mostly just you That's know what I'm saying, kind of stuff. It's like just but, hammering um, dunks. Yeah. Yeah. Just Multiple. so he's been. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they moved him into the starting lineup at some point. But the problem is though with these guys is that it just takes it just cuts into 80s performance. I know he had like the 40-20 game against Utah, but really after that he's really kind of been a struggle. Uh, this is luckily maybe not the spot to do uh, against the Miami team that's uh, pretty long, at least, uh, with guys like Bam and Myers, Leonard, and Kelly Olenek. Not great defenders, but they at least have some size. Final thoughts here on Miami Lakers. Yeah, AD has just been bad on his price, and I I don't feel the need to stick my neck there out on a guy who just doesn't consistently produce. Uh, Like, if I want to compare him to, say, Drummond, a similar price point, different position on FanDuel, I, I think I know where my head is at. Same thing with Giannis, who's just a little bit more expensive wildly more consistent so far this season uh it's always easy to look at a guy like davis and say oh hey you know he's going to be the same guy he was in the past so just wait and see that just doesn't always happen when guys switch teams like we've seen players you know kevin love comes to mind uh when teaming up with lebron Kyrie as well that lebron is just a, a singular force of nature in a very unusual way and that not only does he do a lot of scoring himself which obviously takes away some opportunity he also rebounds the hell out of the ball and He's an exceptional passer, and he doesn't tunnel vision to just like one or two other teammates. Like he really distributes to everyone. And the fact that like it's kind of weird to think about it this way, but the fact that LeBron has 11 assists, not a lot of those are going to be to Davis, relatively speaking, right? Like Davis can create his own bucket, he can post up, uh, he can start at the top of the key. LeBron is the pass and kick guy, so he'll find Davis some of the time, but he'll also just find Avery Bradley or like Danny Green or whoever's open, right? So uh, I think we could see Davis settle in at actually a lower price as the season heads along. And I, I certainly don't feel the need. If I'm wrong, fine. I still don't think he's going to be... Like, we already know that there are guys producing on an $11,000 level. So why do I need to speculate that Davis is going to come back and just start doing it, right? Yeah, so, I think I'm... Uh, that's I'm, kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I totally agree on Davis. I think now you should take a wait-and-see approach or just say that this is where, you know, we need to readjust our priors on what a guy, like what he's going to do in this specific offense. And he's still a great player, and the Lakers have looked every bit a great team. And... From a fantasy perspective, we might just the old AD might not be walking through the door, even though he's not walking off to the locker room as much um, and questionable to return. That's been a nice. That's been a nice, nice. little change. Like how I did that. Nothing. Quick, that, that quick, was, God. Oh, sorry. Quick, quick, quick note on the Heat because I know you're probably about to wrap us up. Yeah. Um, obviously, Winslow missed last night. Duncan Robinson got the start. Uh, Robinson's been fairly hit or miss, but when he does hit, like he scored 37 fantasy points against Houston in 35 minutes. Um, that's the type of big tournament play that could really get you home. And uh, just something to keep an eye on. I, I highly doubt we're going to have that news because it was right up to the wire last night, uh, this being the very latest game on the slate. But if you're looking at this like in a late slate sort of scenario, uh, that that's definitely a situation to watch. All right. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. It's optimal lineups. It's FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NFL, NHL, 
all covered in the one subscription package. You also get that members-only chat. James will be in there all night on Friday talking hoops, getting everyone set for lineup lock. We've had a bunch of people that mm. chat has been um, firing on all cylinders over the last couple of days um, as we get more and more users on board for our NBA system, which has been very good to start the season. People love talking hoops, so go over there. It's like a little sports bar atmosphere. Um, and just while you're, you know, you can sit and type on the computer and talk hoops with your friends, and you don't need to, need to go out and watch well, the team anywhere else. Okay. With that said, buddy, enjoy your Friday night of NBA action. Can't wait.